1: unspoken
2: issues.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Issues Podcast. Wow. So we have made our way through some carnage. We took a stop, uh, talked about some Avengers and Squadron Supreme. And now we're going to throw in here some Dead Man's Hand, which was a comic book crossover that came out in 1992 and involved the Punisher. It also involved Daredevil and nomad but of course i'm not alone you know i am here i got Derry. wait Derry, are you ready to talk some dead man's hand tonight i am this is the first
3: comic that i have ever come across for this show that i have not read i was so excited i i confused this with a completely different comic that came out years later and i finally got my hands on it and i was like yes this is this is the buried treasure this is
1: the ark of the covenant all right. I love it. I love it. All right. Dean Compton of the Unspoken Decade, buddy. You yeah. you're ready to talk some dead man's hand. Listen, I can I there's... talk
4: about the Punisher anytime. Right? <laughs> i talk about the Punisher in a bathroom stall at the airport with somebody I don't know. Like you like the Punisher? I'm like, I do. This is peculiar. Where are we going? That's I'm how going... we met, by the way. That is a <laughs> canon of how we <laughs> right. met. He yeah. yeah, had a skull shirt. I had on one that was the skull made out of guns. Ah. (laughs) Anyhow um, Yeah I'm excited It's really funny because um, 1992 is the year I take uh, The big plunge in 91 I started collecting the Marvel comics the Marvel comic cards. And it's funny because like the uh I think it's Daredevil 317 with the uh, the Lance. He's riding the horse and he has the Lance in this crossover. I actually bought that comic the first time I went to a comic book store. That really? was uh one of the and, and I picked it because it was a dollar twenty-five and I saw the card, so I didn't have the Punisher in it. And the other two with Nomad and Punisher War Journal, because this doesn't go through the regular title, it's a right. crossover war journal. Right. Um they were a dollar seventy-five. So you know, 50 cents was huge. To me in 1992 as a seventh grader, I want to say my allowance was $10 a week, might have been eight. And that was weeks I could get it because my parents were shitty. So, like, (laughs) you could like you know that 50 cents was big so i so i got this and i remember the last page with like the punisher standing over daredevil and uh, i gotta say it it really hooked me it hooked me early i love this crossover i think you can find better ones but you'd be hard pressed to find one that was more fun and full of more colorful characters giving you colorful scenes doing nothing but chewing up scenery in their in their ways everybody from like tombstone to the word to yeah. daredevil to uh, the Secret Empire, just out there. I mean, Deadpool makes an appearance. You really just got a lot of people in this thing. It's hard to go wrong. Again, there are some things that don't make a lot of sense. It could be, I've read better crossovers, but a more fun one and more fun interactions between Daredevil and the Punisher? I don't know, man. You'd be really hard-pressed. You'd be really hard-pressed to find something that, you know, is just a better popcorn comic, a better popcorn crossover. sit back, Crack open, a, crack open a beer, crack open a soda, smoke a joint, read this, you're going to have a great time.
1: <laughs> uh, the man that brought this to our attention and said, we've got to cover this, Chris Armstrong. Chris Armstrong, you said, dead man's hand, we've got to do it. Are you ready to finally talk some dead man's hand tonight, man?
5: For sure. You know, I'd never read this uh, crossover either. I'd read some uh, Nomad books in the early days of the Nomad series, uh, but i I was out of it by like issue three or four. So this is my first time reading through this as well. And it's really an interesting, the the way they put the series together, it's Uh really disjointed. Uh, it doesn't really flow super great in some places. I can't tell if I like the the style of that or not. I think it, I like it more in theory than in practice. But okay. uh, but right. it's definitely a really interesting crossover. Right, for sure. You know, dude. what's
4: funny is you mentioned that. And, like, when I was reading it, I felt like it was kind of inspired by, like, the Tarantino movies that were coming out around the time. That mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel kind of disjointed, kind of Pulp Fiction-y, kind of Reservoir Dogsy. So I get what you're saying, though. That might work. But I liked it, but, like, I'm also just into that kind of shit. And if you're not, mm-hmm. it might not work so well. I also want to point out that it's funny because Chris hit me up to work on this. At the same time, I had sent some shit to uh, Derry and you, Jesse, where I was like, these are things I want to cover. And I had Dead Man's oh, Hand yeah, okay. Oh, and that's, okay. And that's <laughs> nice. where Derry was like, so this is the thing about carry-on? And I was <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> not the punter, baby. We're doing yeah. The Punish. But yeah, so it's great. What I'm saying
3: is Chris and I, great mind. That's, That's what I'm right. saying. Right. It, it definitely has that Tarantino feel, though. It's 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 like if you cut up Pulp Fiction and put it in chronological order, it wouldn't have the same impact. It's the same thing here. Like, yeah, occasionally you got to flip back from issue to issue. But it's worth it because it's not the traditional crossover in the sense that everyone's got to meet and fight a common foe. There's just so much going on. It's so dense that it's great to see some scenes from different perspectives, even if, if the art can be a little jarring. But yeah, I, I agree. It's it's definitely got that Tarantino feel, even if it wasn't intended. It, that's definitely what it feels like.
4: Yeah, well, it's important to note that with like all of the different players here, and I'm sure Jesse will have a, a scorecard in a minute. You can't tell the players that a scorecard. There are different ways for everybody to get involved. Like Daredevil, Nomad, and Punisher all come to this in a different way. And I think that adds to the disjointed feeling. Like a lot of times, I don't know, like, if the Avengers of the Fantastic Four fighting Galactus, they kind of arrive at the same time, like, hey, that's Galactus, right? Like, indeed it is. The big tuning <laughs> fork, uh, give it away to you? Or was it, you know, the big G on his old school belt? I think that, you know, because of that, it can make it feel a little disjointed, too. Well, Which, again, not necessarily bad, but certainly a... uh something you have to keep in mind as you read it.
1: Right. Right. I mean we've got uh oh, we got a score of writers and mm-hmm. like I said I I will uh definitely be putting the creative team uh, at the forefront when I do these synopsis um cuz it, it yeah, we got uh, I think DG Chichester's on this. Uh we have uh yeah, Chuck Dixon, Chuck Dixon, Dixon, Dixon Chester, Fabian Nicieza. Uh, yeah. Right. That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to slash w 2 mnetwork you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com/w the number 2mnetwork for that free 30-day trial. Dead Man's Hand, parts 1, 2 and 3. Part 1 taking place in Daredevil 307, which was cover dated August of 1992. Story titled Blind Openers, written by D.G. Chichester, penciled by Scott McDaniel, lettered by Rick Parker, inked by Bud LaRosa, and colored by Max Scheele. Part 2 takes place in Nomad number 4, titled Neon Nights, it was written by Fabian Nitsieza, Pat Oliff on the pencils, inked by Mark McKenna. Lettered by Chris Eliopoulos and color art by Steve Matson. Cover date August of 1992. And Punisher War Journal number 45. Cover dated August of 1992. Story titled "The Vegas Idea," written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by John Hebert, inked by Fred Fredericks, and lettered by James Novak and colored by Glennis Ween Oliver las vegas sin city the place where fortunes can be made or lost at the whim of fate but it is also the temporary site of a gathering of villainy with the kingpin missing the criminal underworld is in chaos to try and get things under control a secret conference is called and directed by the word an employee of the red skull the conference gathers many heads of criminal territories to divide up what was once wilson fisk's empire Members present are Yonin of the Hand, Tatsuo of the Yakuza, Fenris, mutants Andrea Von Strucker and Andreas Von Strucker, claiming Hydra, their half-brother Werner Von Strucker, who claims to be the leader of Hydra at this time as well, The Slug, drug kingpin of Miami, Hammerhead and Tombstone being the voice of the Magia and members of the Secret Empire. Also in Vegas happens to be Attorney Matt Murdock, Daredevil, who was inadvertently called in by some other criminals trying to get in on the criminal convention. Also, there is Jack Monroe, Nomad, and the baby that appears to be perpetually in his care, Bucky. When Tombstone attacks the local criminals in the same restaurant Nomad and Daredevil are in, the pair team up to take him out. However, Tombstone escapes. Unbeknownst to the other crime families at the conference, The Hand, directed by Baron Von Strucker, prepares a ritual invoking the spirit warrior Izanami to give them an advantage over the other criminals. Later, Nomad is struggling with the real reason he is in Las Vegas, to make good on a deal with the government to kill the slug in order for his criminal record to be wiped clean. Nomad also finds a woman he knows by the name of Legs and asks her to take Bucky to safety with the Undergrounders. While Legs takes Bucky to the airport, Nomad has a run in with Deadpool and barely survives the fight before escaping. But during all of this, the human weapon Bushwhacker mistakenly believes he needs to take Bucky back to his wife in order to save his marriage. Following Legs to the airport, Bushwhacker shoots Legs in the head and leaves with baby Bucky. And where does Frank Castle fit in all this? Days earlier, Frank was called for a meeting by a mystery woman with an affinity for the color of green. She explains to Frank that the Secret Empire, along with a whole host of other villains, are meeting in Las Vegas, and she wants to kill them. Taking his pal Microchip and a shady criminal by the name of Mickey, the trio head west. Finding a small hotel, a biker gang called the Praetorians, led by a crazed masked psycho named Chainsaw, shows up intent on killing them. The Punisher looks to eliminate them all. However, Chainsaw has Bucky in a car seat on the front of his chopper. Derry, I'm calling on you here, buddy. You got to tell us a little bit about Nomad, and then I want to hear what you thought of these first three issues, because we all know about the Punisher. We know about Daredevil. But Nomad is kind of like one of these 90s characters that I really, me personally, I didn't read a whole lot. So you've read, you, you read up on this guy. Give us a lowdown here.
4: But first, are you sure I can't talk about the Punisher for like I don't know, 40 minutes?
1: <laughs> get your turn, dude. <laughs> oh, man.
3: Nomad is one of those uniquely superhero comic book characters where he's got about four different origins, most of them contradict each other. But basically, it comes down to I, I really, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, far more time than I should have been <laughs> thinking about this. He's Rowdy Roddy Piper from They Live. In a comic. And what I mean by that is he does not trust the system. He's wandering around looking for purpose. He's got that kind of long, scraggly-ish hair. Genuinely a good guy. And when he sees the people behind the curtains, he's not afraid of a fight. That's the way the character is defined. That would be my one-sentence pitch to try to get this guy in a movie. Now, the actual background, the many issues, the complications, all I'll say is... You know that Bucky Barnes was out of the picture for a while, whether he was dead, frozen, the Winter Soldier, what have you. Well, his identity wasn't known. The government kept making more Bucky's. Jack Monroe, the nomad, is one of the ones who didn't work out. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Because
1: anything past that's going to give all of our listeners a headache. All right. Well, what do you think of the first three issues here, Derry? I mean, we got some craziness going on here in Vegas. I, I love a good old fashioned crossover because you can almost imagine
3: the three writers and the artists and the editors sitting in a room in 1991 going, hey, we got to do a big crossover. Here are the big, you know, the big story beats and you all got to figure out how you're going to integrate this into your ongoing narratives. And uh, I love that it kicks off with Matt Murdoch going to Las Vegas and immediately having a panic attack because Mm -hmm. his super senses can't deal with the absurd heat, the lights and sounds from everything else. And then at one point they actually say the air conditioning drops him out and i feel like that is the quintessential daredevil story it's like if you're in hell's kitchen if you're in manhattan the man's great he can be morally ambiguous and he can beat the hell out of you but you put him out of that environment you put him in the middle of the desert and he is as shot as anyone else so i thought that <laughs> you was gotta great. give him
4: san francisco too right like he hung out there for a while
3: yeah exactly. you give him a major city uh especially if he's following around uh, a, a gorgeous redhead on the golden gate bridge he's fine but yeah, yeah. you throw him. you you throw him in Vegas, and he's shot. But, uh, no. That's let really me... how it is, though, in Vegas.
4: And, like, when you go, play, even in, like, the South, you know, and Chris can probably talk about that, like, you know, in Kentucky and shit, but, like, when it is really hot outside and you walk inside and all of a sudden it's, like, 50 degrees, like, it hurts.
3: I, I, I am gonna take all your word for it. But yeah, I just I just thought it was funny because it's like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not I, I like to get down on Superman a lot and he's always like, Oh, I'm pretending to be Clark Kenton. I'm the same no matter where I go, what planet, whatever else. And then you get the Marvel guys and it's like, you know, Spider Man is out of his element if he's gotta take the train past the Bronx and Daredevil's out of his element. If you bring him to, you know, a beautiful, gorgeous town filled with stuff to distract you from, he falls into a puddle, which I just love because it's like, Oh, you're the one who's going to defeat the uh, the Underworld United or whatever we're dealing with. But uh, (laughs) I I really enjoyed this. Uh, One thing I want to call attention to before I forget is we got a host of great artists, but we got the great john ramita jr himself on just covers of these punisher issues and right. they are my favorite i'm a huge jr jr fan and i got really excited because i i knew he had an extended run on the punisher and i thought he was going to do the interior art too. but um yeah the these covers if nothing else you, you mentioned that we get a certain green-haired woman and that's the viper celebrated marvel character but i looked up why frank was dealing with her and i couldn't find any reference to this online so there's no reason
4: there, there's no reason there's right no okay reason. i thought i was like i read all of these issues or you know i've read them all since and I, I got as many as i could around that time and yeah she just fucking shows up because they need punisher to be in las vegas i guess yeah. that's really and i mean and it makes sense to an extent because she would know what was going on she doesn't like hydra she doesn't like the Red Skull. So she probably just wanted, you know, like she shows up to like use Frank as a weapon. But yeah, nothing ever occurs before or after this. It's all, uh, you know, later on. Hmm,
3: interesting. Yeah. What, one of the other things I really love about this is, you know, you went through the, the roster, the who's who, if you will, of people at this 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 crime convention. And it's yeah. great because every single one of these characters is pulled from some ongoing story, either one that's wrapped up or one that's, that's about to get going. The the Deadpool crossover is because one of the guys at the table is Mr. Tolliver, who would be this ongoing right. plot thread through many of the Daredevil stories, uh, right. excuse me, Deadpool stories, and would actually be revealed to be... Cable's son from the future of all characters. Like just looking at this as one of those things where it's like, you only get it when you get a dozen ongoing stories truly crossing over, truly meeting at that intersection point. And you get something like this. And while it's not as epic, it's almost like the bounty hunter scene in the empire strikes back. Like everyone there's got a story and if you're lucky you'll hear the best parts of it
1: but i as as an old school marvel fan i really enjoyed that chris what'd you think man first three issues we got a lot of stuff here that's thrown at us uh tell me what your thoughts were
5: the first part daredevil we get scott mcdaniel on the pencils who i was a huge fan of around the nightwing era when he was doing nightwing uh he hadn't really got his footing it seems like in these in this early in his career here so not as polished something about is it chichester is that how you say is it yeah there's something about his like writing style it actually popped up in my memories on facebook today we had done a poll to do a daredevil issue like two years ago that we never actually got around are you to kidding me That's an, an another one we didn't do yeah but uh and, and that was a chichester issue as well of daredevil Slacker. and it, it had was the to be right
1: at, right at the pandemic had to have been
5: yeah it, it was so, yeah, I, and, and I had the same issue with, with that book. There's something about his style of writing. It's I don't know if it's like a stilted, I, I don't know. I, I kept finding myself having to go back and reread panels, sometimes whole pages. Like, I just wasn't able to, to grasp the flow of the story with, with his issues. Kind of annoying because I want to read a lot of those Daredevil books. I never, the first Daredevil solo comic I ever read was probably Kevin Smith's daredevil number one which would have been six years after this or whatever you know i knew who daredevil was through the trading cards through him showing up in infinity war or whatever but i wasn't a daredevil reader but i want to go back and read like some of this this era because there was i guess the preceding storyline where kingpin kind of loses his empire was like a right. big one right uh, and, big and the next is
4: fall or, from grace where daredevil grace, gets like right. the armor and stuff i agree right. with you too and i've always felt that way about these daredevil issues i have a difficult time reading like fall from grace I have a difficult time reading this stuff where, like, all of a sudden, like, Tombstone is, like, the shaman from, like, Natural Born Killers, like, you know, like... (laughs) Talking like that. So I totally agree. I'm not saying it's bad, but I am saying right. that sometimes I think it gets in its own way, if that makes sense.
5: Yeah, that, that I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I don't dislike it. It's just, for some reason, it's not I'm not connecting with it the way I want to. And uh, I, I want to read pretty much that whole run that McDaniel was on. I've got a lot of those issues. That's one of the reasons I read, or I, I wanted to do this Dead Man's Hand episode, is because I, I just recently got all these issues, and I got a lot of those Daredevil back issues. But anyway, I, I love the concept of the storyline of having all this criminal empire being divvied up by all these semi obscure, like criminal underworld characters and then throwing like some of the street level guys all in there together. It's a really I am kinda curious where the what the origin of the crossover was, if it was an editor that spearheaded it or if, I would think Chichester probably came up with it since it was kind of spinning out of the storylines he was he was doing in Daredevil. But um
4: I can't say for sure, but what I've heard is that when the Kingpin, Paul the Kingpin, happened, they kind of had an idea of what would like the next thing was what would happen, and it was right. like an editorial thing. And then I think I think Chichester and Dixon and, and Fabian would have been part of the editorial complex at that time as well as a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think those three like kind of like oh well, this is what would happen, and kind of you know uh, I think the other two found out and wanted to play. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's the same yeah. thing that happened with Inferno, from what I understand. So, and I believe it's the same thing here that, like, some other guys, like, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to be a part of that. Don't quote me on that. You can, you know, <laughs> but, like, that's what I understand. And and I'll ask Gregory Wright at some point. He'll know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Nomad doesn't have much to do here. Like, I enjoyed him very much because he's the only one kind of out of his element. You know, Daredevil and Punisher, they're both very sure of themselves. They're both natural opposites. They're great antagonists. But when Nomad shows up in the story, it's kind of like, A, what are you doing in L.A.? B, why are you endangering that baby? Because you are giving me the anxiety reading these things. And C, like, are you
2: throwing uranium at the bad guys? Because I don't know. This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag.
0: Wimpy, wimpy, (laughs) wimpy!
2: bleh And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) (sighs) Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.
0: This episode is made possible by PWC. When unprecedented times are all the time... It's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
3: Steve Rogers would approve of that, but uh, yeah, it definitely (laughs) feels like... (laughs) <laughs> it definitely feels like Fabian had I can't pronounce the last name I, I'm not I'm not friends with him but uh it definitely feels like Fabian had a new book and these two characters were going to uh crossover and it was like you know what let me do that let me get in on this and obviously you know Nomad would run for a couple of more years so you know maybe enough eyes stuck around but yeah it definitely has that feel of like, Jack, what are you doing in this uh, this <laughs> this Frank Matt love fest?
1: Uh, it, well, I was just going to kind of piggyback off what you were talking about there, Chris, with the well, I would read the Chichester uh, Daredevil. And then I would it made up for it when you hit the uh, Fabian Nizieza issue because it mm-hmm. was not as dense. So I was always like, okay, well, no bad's going to follow this up. And I'd, I'd push through and get through uh, Chichester and it, it wasn't bad or anything, but it was, uh, you know, it was dense and we'll just put it that way. There's a lot of words on the page. Um, and then
4: you have Chuck Dixon who's basically writing a fucking men's sweat mag from like the <laughs> 1950s. I mean, he's just straight up high octane and just in your Punisher's right, like, dude. I killed him with my bare hands and shot another guy while I did it. It's beautiful. So, and so, and I think honestly that made Chichester and Chris, you agree or disagree with me? But like that style of diction's made Chichester style a little more dense, a little more opaque.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're kind of breezing through the other other two uh, series, and then you get to Daredevil, and you got to kind of slow down yep. and uh, yep. take your time with it. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say these uh, these um, criminal underworld characters—they're all like characters I kind of just know through like Marvel osmosis, like the Sponstruckers and Bushwhacker. Like I, I don't think I've ever read a comic with Bushwhacker in it until a week ago when I read this crossover, yeah, I but I knew who he out, was. Sir.
4: He is a gun.
5: <laughs> yeah. And then like the secret empire. I knew those guys from the round Robin Spider-Man right. crossover, which is one of my favorite, like comics of all time. So uh, it was cool to see them pop up in here. I was actually going to ask Dean, you know, you're the the Punisher guy. Uh, That's me. It's kind of cool that we're getting to see this era of Punisher where he's like interacting with all the superheroes and stuff. Cause they're, cause now they're like, ever since Ennis, got involved with the punisher like in the late 90s early 2000s like he didn't want to do the superhero stuff like so they did the max books and right. they've always kind of had like two versions of the punisher since then there's like the marvel universe punisher and there's like the gritty punisher that doesn't involve himself with like, like he, it's almost like he's not even in the marvel universe he's like his own thing
4: the max uh, universe is like its own earth
5: yeah. right so what what do you like i kind of prefer having frank interacting with marvel characters and in the, being this loose canon in a superhero setting. What about you? Do you do you prefer like the, you know, gritty action Frank Castle or the the Marvel character?
4: You know, for me, this is very timely because, you know, the MLB owners have the lockout going on, but part of their negotiations is they're going to make the DH universal. It's going to be the National League and the American League. For me, the Punisher in regard to this has been like baseball. I love baseball. And I love baseball where there's a DH, and I love baseball high-level baseball where the pitcher bat. I love Frank Castle stories where he's in the middle of the Marvel universe and he's messing with Captain America and he's telling Daredevil he's a fucking idiot. And Nick Fury's like, ah, oh, we'll never catch him even though I got a big spy organization and a giant helicarrier. But I also enjoy the very serious, very hardcore. Very real in a disturbing way uh, The that they do Punisher Max with uh, Frank Castle. I think I prefer him in the Marvel Universe slightly just because probably for the same reason I prefer baseball with DH. It's, it's a little louder. It's a little more boisterous, a little more exciting, a little more pop. I like that about it. You can lose your little more escapist. So uh, I prefer that slightly, but it's like the difference between 8 and 8.04. You know, I mean, you're not going to go wrong either way for me. I do love, I love seeing him here interact with uh, Nomad, just calling Nomad an idiot, calling Daredevil an idiot in a different way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that when it comes to entertainment, I think people who engage in absolutism are really missing the boat in a lot of ways. Sure. You don't, the Punisher doesn't have to be X. Like Batman doesn't have to be X. Batman 66 and The Dark Knight Returns are both equally valid interpretations of the character. With the Punisher, this Punisher's valid punishers uh max is valid and you know the, the the punisher where he winds up looking silly in damage control also valid mm-hmm. all of this right, is the punisher it. on superhero squad valid it's all good fun i don't mean to dodge your question i hope i am. Oh, i got you but like because uh, i feel like wishy-washy like i'm running for office i'm like oh they're all great <laughs> but uh but that's really how i feel the marvel universe slightly better but not gonna be mad if the other one comes along.
5: I think I'm gonna refer to that as Battle Van Punisher from now on. Battle, <laughs>
4: Van, <laughs> Battle Van Punisher. Van Punisher nice. He
5: had the trading card, and then I like microchip being involved, uh sure. for some reason. So uh, oh,
4: microchip and Mickey Fondosi he was a character in the first Dark of Punisher Warzone, and okay. he's a guy that like he uh the famous scene where Frank used the ice cream bar. To make it to make this dude think yeah. that he was using the blowtorch. That's Mickey, and that's why that's their deal. He's like, I won't kill you, but keep your hands clean. And Mickey <laughs> keeps his hands as clean as he possibly can. Okay,
5: the only other thing I really had, um, for this the the first three issues, um, the, the moment where Bushwhacker shows up in the mirror, uh, in the bathroom that's like Ooh. a real it, it gives me the reminiscence of a 90s action movie, mm. Some you would see almost like a kind of a horror. <laughs> element but something you would see yeah. like i think of like a a guy looking through a peephole and then the guy on the other end has got a the barrel of a gun up there and blows his head off or whatever that's the kind of vibe i get from that and then uh so chainsaw is just like Leatherface,
1: right i <laughs> <laughs> format <minutes. laughs> with okay with, with a motorcycle
5: yeah,
1: yeah.
4: He's got a motorcycle and methamphetamine. So that seems to be the difference, as near as I can tell. The
5: two M's, as they call them.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Go hand in hand. Yeah, that's all I got for the first three. All right, man. Uh You, you brought up that spot in the bathroom where Bushwhacker comes out and shoots legs. I messaged you guys. I was like, holy crap. I can't believe, like because you end that comic with blood on the face of Bucky, if I remember right. And I'm like, jeez, criminy, this is way over the top. I wasn't expecting it.
4: Um, Approved by the comics code authority though.
1: That's right, man. (laughs) And, that was probably one of my big moments of the first three. Of course, you know, I, I I was posting some goofy stuff on our Facebook page. The one, I think the first post I made was Daredevil breaking his glasses. And then they give him like these Vegas Elvis shades. And he's got, a, he's sitting there wearing them. And I'm like, I wonder if he actually knows that he looks like that. Because <laughs> Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But um, anyway, Dean Compton, tell us all about it, man. First three issues, go.
4: All right. Well, I mean, it's 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 fantastic. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's just it's just a lot of fun. They're all a lot of fun. And, and let me let me start by. I'll give you Nomad as I understand Nomad. Okay, let's hear. It. For me, it's like while Captain America was frozen in the 1950s, they tried to make a new Captain America and Bucky under the tenets of the red scare. That Captain America got way too into McCarthyism and Bucky his Bucky didn't. That Captain America got killed, that Bucky goes on to become Nomad. Okay. That's it, that's
3: the way I understand it
4: Until he becomes the Scourge Well, later on, that's different oh, You know, I mean wait. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, he gets wild with Thunderbolt <laughs> Like oh. you, you say that a lot about Thunderbolts for whatever reason. <laughs> but when,
3: uh, when Fabian Nievesia takes over Thunderbolts from from Kurt Busiek, he brings this character back, and I didn't realize this when I was reading Thunderbolts back in the day because I hadn't read Nomad. But he he wraps up this guy's story quite nicely until the OG Bucky comes back under Brubaker a few years after that.
4: Yeah, and then I think that I think the Winter Soldier just basically kills every Bucky type there is. Spoilers. Jesus. Sorry. Anyhow. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think they're all great. The uh, the guys that the you know that uh, Murdoch and Nelson come to see, they appear to be like mob casino owners. They want a piece because it's happened to their territory. The other guys, the Moggy apparently disagrees. Tombstone comes in and kills them, which which is nice. It's it's great to see all of these like little. It's almost like the secret society of super criminals. You know, like they've decided to get together and they're gonna figure things out. Like Justin Hammers there. That's not you know, from the Iron Man Mythos, that's terrific. Uh the guy who uh Bushwhacker and Deadpool are after, he's representing Lotus, which is a West Coast crime gang from Wonder Man at the time, who I don't think ever appeared like anywhere else. Like I don't think anybody else like brought Lotus into
3: a ton of stuff. Maybe. But no, she like, spun out of invaders, didn't didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, like that's I remember her from the old school, from like like the Roy Thomas days. That's why I had to look this up. I was like, that can't be the same character. The and same lo character. and
4: behold, 1992 and, delivers. And you have, and, and like I said, it's tied into the Wonder Man book at the time. So if you're reading Wonder Man at the time, here's a cool Easter egg for you, but it, it doesn't matter. Tolliver was like all over X-Force, like the first uh, at least like 10 to 12 issues. So it was neat to see all of them in one spot and it made perfect sense. Like obviously if the Kingpin, If his empire, if a big criminal empire, like in the Marvel Universe, gets dissected the way, you know, gets brought down the way it was, it's going to be dissected and divvied up among the players that are left. And uh, most of the players there, I mean, I think part of the problem is Hammerhead. Like, you just can't bring Hammerhead anywhere. He's just volatile. He thinks it's 1934. (laughs) You got to leave that guy out of of stuff. But most of the players there, even though there's a level of distrust, I think most of them are like, this would be better. Like, why? I don't really want to fight toliver is apparently overly there to like get even with lotus what it, what the hell you know like um uh, which is funny uh i really liked all the first three issues like chris said the ending really you know felt like a jason or a, a michael myers movie with like the blood in there and like yeah later on you find out that somehow this guy who is a gun did not kill like miss and um uh which was funny it's always fun to see bushwhacker because he's a big punisher villain at the time yeah. uh and I, I, it, it's funny that his hand is just a gun. And he's always after his kid, for some reason. It's wild. I also got to the pleasure of reading these. It's funny. Like, I recently decided I would start getting an uh, epic collection. And uh-huh. this is one of the first ones I got, which it is called, Dead, it's Daredevil, Dead Man's Hand. They named the whole thing after it. <clears throat> and it's got the cover with the 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 lance, the horseman that I told you about, which I think is Daredevil 317, where uh, he's he's going after, uh you know, he's going after the bad guys on the right. horse with the lance. Right, right, right. I, I think I, I like how Daredevil and Nomad interacted. I always like when Punisher and Daredevil interact. Like, it's just funny when, you you know, they show up. My only real complaint is just that, like, how does Punisher not know who Madame Hydra is or, like, uh, Viper? And one point he goes, I don't know much about Hydra. I know they're big. I'm like, how do you not know much about Hydra, Frank? This seems like that should be something your job, you be know sir. a little more about. Like, you know <laughs> Nick Fury. So I think that was something. But like, like I said, everything here flows together very nicely. It's a bunch of bad guys in the middle of the desert trying to divvy up the big score. And two good guys and one sort of good guy trying to stop it. And I dig on that kind of story. I also like how mad, like, Punisher gets. It's a very funny moment. Like, he gives Mickey 100 grand. He's like, go set yourself up as a high roller in Vegas. So Mickey goes and spends 20 grand on the tables. They give him a room and everything. He's like, what are you doing? What do you mean 20 grand? Bro, what do you think a high roller does, Frank Castle? Like, I don't understand. Like, that's what they do. Like, they spend a bunch of money gambling.
3: Like- I like that scene because I think I think of Frank as very, like, working class, you know? like his. Oh, yeah so i
4: very character for castle but it's also like what the fuck man
3: it it definitely doesn't line up with what he's telling the character to do but again if you know the character and you know the background and everything else like that landed for me like that definitely sounds like something uh, someone from the neighborhood would say but yeah it didn't make any sense it's like it's like what did you think he was going to spend the money on if anything 100 grand is not even enough to get him to be a high roller but well it was a lot more in
4: 1992 uh, it's fair. <laughs> you know, like but but like also it's funny that you know he is has that working class vibe. But I've been reading a lot of Mike Barron early Punisher issues too. And first off, it's wild that we didn't know this guy was, like, a nutso at the time. Like, we really should have known from reading. But second, like, the Punisher does. He just throws money around. Like, no, it's not. He's like, ah, it's only half a mil micro. I got that back at <laughs> the place. Or he'll be like, ah, keep the 20 grand. It's only money. <laughs> so it was funny to see that, you know, it's just, it, its just like, interesting to have been reading that, see this. And then, uh, like you said, it's a perfectly reasonable reaction. But, you know, but Mickey is also you know, reasonable in his he's like, what are you talking about? So then when they go to the hotel, there's a great line because like Micro they put him in this rat hole now, you know, <laughs> you know which, which they go to for safety, but here comes Silvermane, Like what right. they, and the, yeah for Tory. Right, right. But like it, there's a great interaction between Micro and um uh and and Mickey where Mickey's like says to Micro he's like are you the punisher's friend or something? It's like Frank doesn't really have friends. And Mickey's like, yeah, I can't imagine why <laughs> <laughs> So all in all, it does a really great job of dipping you into the middle of it. Uh, I don't understand some of the stuff that's going on with the hand, but that's
1: just the way it is for me. Yeah, yeah.
3: Just,
4: that's, uh, I know they're ninjas, I know they do magic stuff, big kicks, big side, big katanas, that's all I need.
1: Right, right, yeah, the Izonomy stuff that got started here I thought was going to be a really big part of the story. Yeah. Uh, but then then I was like, okay, I gotta think, we've got three people coming together, I should say, three books coming together. So they kind of all gotta, it's like, let's focus on something that gives all of our characters something to do. And that's the crime convention. And so the isonomy stuff, which I did read up a little bit about, you know, I I had to do a little bit of uh history digging just so I could learn why in the world did this matter so much and what in the world was the end game, which, you know, as we get through this story, it kind of fizzles, it just kind of, it it just fizzles. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, the hand and, and, and the whole daredevil thing, there's definitely a lot more again with Chichester, He's got a lot of history that he's folding into that Daredevil comic along with the story that we're here to read. But he's got all the other stuff going on on the side. And that's going on in all the other books, too. But it seemed like it was really prevalent in Daredevil. Yeah,
4: Um, I think it's funny, though. You see that zombie character, that old lady who was trying to gamble winds up a bigger character to me in the whole thing. Because later (laughs) on, she runs into Bushwhacker and she, like, tells him off. Yeah, Where he's like, I'm trying to be inconspicuous, bro. Your arm's a gun, you're not doing a very good <laughs> not, job. No. And then later, she gets popped for uh, using a slug instead of a quarter, right? Right, right. And it's the same lady, like, she almost is a major character. Yeah. The other lady, like, I don't know, bites tombstone or something, like, they I don't know, I was more interested in that lady, you know, the old right. days, gambling, and she's right. Let her go. They made a lot of money off her. If she put a slug in there, whatever.
3: Yeah, right. The the only character I was more surprised at a prominent role was terror.
4: I absolutely was
3: not expecting. But but Ty Chester was
4: writing terror at the time.
3: I forgot, I completely forgot that I was reading this, and I saw him pop up, and I was like, oh, why does he get a bit? And I looked it up, yeah. and I was like, oh, it's Chichester, all right, right, but but yeah, he's got a significant role. Apparently he knows everything, and he hands out in Vegas for no reason, and now, you know, good uh, good old boy Matt owes him his soul. So I was yeah. like, all right, yeah, throw throw him on top of the pile.
5: Was terror showing up like regularly in Daredevil?
4: I don't think that he was. I can't say for sure. I think, honestly, this? this was just a way, much like Fabian got Deadpool into uh, mm-hmm. Nomad because he was also writing, I think he was writing X-Force and X-Men and possibly editing Uncanny X-Men at the time. You know, this is a way to get a character somewhere I want them. I think, you know, Terror did not sell well. I think it only went 12 or 13 issues. Uh, the last issue being a half bake Infinity Crusade crossover. <laughs> and, um... uh <laughs> So I think they just wanted more people to buy Terror. I also think... I think earlier this year, the end of 91 was the big guns promotion, Punisher Warzone, Cage, Terror Incorporated, and Silver Sable, and I think they wanted those guys to kind of bleed into Nomad and Daredevil with the other street-level guys. Uh, But no, I don't think Terror was a supporting character at all in Daredevil, not really neither Matt Murdock nor Foggy Nelson's choice of a compatriot.
1: He's a freaky dude, plucking eyeballs out of dead people. It was nasty. All right. well, let's get in Well, uh, the next three issues, Dead Man hand parts four through six dead man's hand parts four through six Part four, taking place in Nomad number five, cover dated September of 1992, titled Suicide Kings, written by Fabian Nietzscheza, Pat Olaf, pencils, inked by Mark McKenna, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, and colored by Tom Smith. Part five, taking place in Daredevil number 308, title of the story Dealing from the Bottom, cover dated September of 1992, written by D.G. Chichester, penciled by Scott McDaniel, inked by Bud LaRosa, lettered by Bill Oakley and colorist Max Scheel. Part 6, taking place in The Punisher War Journal number 46, cover dated September of 1992. Title of the story is Hot Chrome in Cold Blood. The story by Chuck Dixon, penciled by John Hebert. Inks by Fred Fredericks, colors by Glynis Oliver, and lettered by Jim Novak. The Punisher, able to make quick work of the Praetorians rescuing Bucky, and also causing Chainsaw to take his bike and retreat. Now, he heads into town with baby Bucky to find out more information on this criminal convention. Meanwhile, another encounter with Bushwhacker leaves Nomad convinced Bucky is no longer with legs, but luckily, that is the exact moment that Frank shows up plugging Bushwhacker full of holes. As Bushwhacker runs away, Nomad convinces Frank to give him Bucky. Learning that Legs survived her encounter with Bushwhacker, he takes Bucky to her to try to get both girls out of town. When the Punisher tracks down Nomad to confront him about his past and the fact that he lied to him about being Bucky's father, Frank gives him a right cross in the two-tussle. Frank calls the fight and says, Jack's proven himself and he is now leaving and heading to Circus Circus to learn more on the whereabouts of all these criminal heads. However, he leaves Jack to walk back to town. Meanwhile, Daredevil gets some important information from a scary-looking dude by the name of Terror... Terror explains that the Hand and Yakuza are taking some type of deadly action at Circus Circus. Arriving there, Daredevil fights with the cybercriminal Silvermane and members of the Hand and Yakuza. When some members escape using a prize car, Daredevil mounts a horse and gives chase, finally disabling their vehicle. After the chase, Daredevil lets his guard down for a moment when Frank Castle appears attacking him. They apparently have... Some unfinished business. During all of this at the criminal convention, alliances are being made and more tempers begin to flare. Not only that, but it appears Tombstone is taking actions against the hand, setting more.
0: This episode is made possible by PWC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PWC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
2: This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, (sniffs) wimpy, wimpy! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new, fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) (sighs) smell the difference when life gives you stinky get hefty ultra strong with new fabuloso lemon scent it smells like clean freshly picked lemons so no matter what's inside your trash you can stop the stink and smell the lemon
1: of the members on edge chris i want to start with you man we're we're getting into the middle part of this uh this nine issue series here uh what are your what are your thoughts so far is it
5: pat olive is that the nomad penciler um you know he has kind of my two favorite like set pieces I guess of, of the whole crossover which was the the Deadpool Nomad fight in the yeah. previous and then in this one he's got the Punisher uh two pages of uh Nomad and the Punisher just to, like a big hand-to-hand combat uh, scene and those were probably my two favorite like action sequences of the uh of the series it, 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 maybe you know maybe maybe Daredevil you know with with the horse wedges it, its it, <laughs> way in there too <laughs> uh, that was that was pretty cool but you know earlier you mentioned the uh jr junior covers um and you, you kind of undersold it because boy what a disappointment when you open up uh, those covers the first two uh punisher issues in this crossover have have the jr junior covers which are amazing and and you know the interiors are not bad you know they're serviceable you know nothing nothing wrong with them and i guess it helps that when i think punisher the first image that usually comes to mind is the warzone number 1 cover
1: Oh yeah, uh, which yeah. is the
5: junior, Jr. Junior cover as well.
1: So you were like devastated when you when you saw these <laughs> covers and you open it up, you're like, "Oh uh, man, damn!"
5: It. Devastated is an overstatement, but I mean, a disappointment. <laughs> That's uh,
1: disappointing. That.
4: Uh, <laughs> you had to call uh, his therapist immediately. Like, hey, let's <laughs> go <going> on here.
5: <laughs> because of that, and because McDaniel's still early on in his career, I think Olaf is probably the best artist in this crossover. Uh, the other thing I had was kind of the terror thing, which I already we already kind of discussed.
1: He is a scary looking dude. I mean, when you look at him, uh, the way that he's drawn, he looks like he has whiskers. But you start mm-hmm. to wonder, like, are they actually whiskers or is it bone that's coming off this dude's face? I have no idea. I, this is the first time I've ever seen this dude. So I had There's no. Kind of There's okay, I mean, it's frightening. Because I believe in
4: his comic he, like, impales somebody with him at one point.
1: Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was like, I
4: have the issues that the Punisher guest started in and that Infinity Crusade issue for some reason.
1: He's yeah, it's definitely a, a unique look. We'll just put it that way. But <laughs> everyone should be forced...
4: sure opaque here. Try read Terror Incorporated.
1: OK, <laughs> all right, then. Oh, boy. The
5: only point of reference I have for Terror is the uh, the two issues of Wolverine that he guest starred in. I forget who the writer was at the time. It might have been Hama, uh, Hama but uh, or Hama, but um, Derek Robertson. I know did the art on those issues. That, that's the only time, other than the, you know the trading cards. That's the only point of reference I have, have for terror.
1: If I remember correctly, the way that this works is we end the issue. This we end two issues the same way. <laughs> Or it's, right. you know it's which is first off i don't mind because we end it with punisher getting the drop on daredevil in both issues and i'm like yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll read that go ahead and put it on the third issue too i'm As fine with should. that <laughs> so uh i mean what do you think here of the middle three dean well
4: i i, I really liked them. i think it's funny you know i think it's always fun to see bushwhacker i think that i think the punisher's attachment to the baby is very awesome i think where viper's like what do you he's like what do you know about baby and she's like fuck you deal with the baby bro like i'm here to <laughs> I think that's really uh, a testimony to Frank Castle's character. And like I said, like 317 has a beer. I must. I read that. I read that issue until the cover came off. And when it came off, I pinned it to my wall. And then when it when it came when it started to fall apart even more, I just took that last page where like Frank Castle's like, hey, Daredevil, it's nice to see you too. After he just kicked him, I pinned that to the wall too. Now it was a pinup. Uh, so you know, it's hard for me to separate these emotionally for sure on some level. But on another level, I think as long as you accept it as, a, like I said, just a pure popcorn crossover, it, it, it they're absolutely fantastic. I think that the ending where, you know, Punisher and Daredevil are, are having their blows is really good. I like the Nomad-Punisher fight as well, just like Chris, although I'm like, let's be serious here. Like, mm-hmm. it lasted as long as Frank Castle wanted it to last. He'd have kicked that dude in the chin and knocked
1: him out. When I read that fight scene, I was like, why is he doing this? And he's got to test me to make sure I'm worthy of protecting the kid. I'm not so, that's not something
4: Punisher does super often. But at the same time, he seemed, they seemed to put uh, at least Fabian, when he had Punisher under his domain, he put him in a fuse state when it came to the baby.
1: Mm, Yeah.
4: trying to remember. I also think it was funny when Daredevil took the guy's horse and the guy's like, hey, that's my horse. And Daredevil's basically like, screw you, poser. I'm like, you can be a little nice about this daredevil like you're not a cop You're stealing you're into this shit uh-huh. Like if the punisher takes his horse like Deck him with a right cross because that's what he does But like you're, always, I, you're, you're just Play acting I'm the real deal. I'm the okay, real deal. Matt Murdock, I got it. I got it. Um, I also like the doubt that Nomad's going through about whether he should kill the slug or not. And also, I really like every time when the slug shows up man, that's a lot of food. I Dude's respect it. I respect how much he eats. He looks like my cat, Two Cold Scorpio. Like when Two Cold <laughs> Scorpio gets up, like, his fat hangs off of his fat like it's just <laughs> it's serious when he walks it's just it, it's just like the slug he lays down and just <laughs> He'll get on a chair and hang off both ends oh, of it. Oh, so I love my cat. Listen, he's very fat, but he's he is my sleeping buddy. He's my good friend. He helps me read a lot of these issues. He was right there getting his scritches while I while while the Punisher scratched an itch of his own. So I like the slug being fat basically. He reminds me with my cat. Um also the, the the viper punisher back and forth is funny because it's like it's like an action movie and they're gonna fuck, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, And then I also like how it's really good gun porn. If you're into, like, uh, real guns or silly comic guns, you get a lot of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not just in these three issues, but in the whole thing. But, like, she's like, I've got ordinance you can only dream of, Mm Castle. And she fires what looks to be like a Nerf missile, but it's a lot more effective. (laughs) Okay, I think it's a really good middle, but I also think that when you're done with that last issue, you're ready. You're ready for the end. You're ready for, the, you know, as WrestleMania '99 would call it, the raging climax. You're ready for this to be done. Not in a bad way, but like you're like, okay, 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 okay. Now let's see them kick the shit out of these guys. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. It's not bad. Yeah, you're not right. ready for the over, but they built it up to where I'm ready for that. I'm ready for let's, that. Critique.
1: Let's see how this goes down because it needs yeah. to go down. Um,
4: Spoiler. Punisher kills a
1: lot of guys. Yeah. Just be ready. (laughs) But he gets some flack for it. There's, there's there's a little bit of resistance. Um, you guys know how much I just cannot fathom nomad running around with Bucky and putting this kid in danger over and over and over. I'm sure there's a good reason for it, whatever, but the, Panels where Frank has the kid and he's about to go after Bushwhacker, and Nomad puts his hands out and says, "Are you crazy or something? You can't go after that maniac with a baby in your arms. Fuck you, Nomad. Thank you. <laughs> All, right. It's All right, the Crazy
4: pot
3: calling the crazy kettle black.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, Nomad. Damn it. All right, Derry. Let's hear it. What do you think of this middle? These middle uh, three here."
3: Yeah, this is very much the act two of the story. Uh, All the heroes fight each other. Uh, All the pieces are maneuvered to where you need to for the end of the story. Uh, And it's good. It's one of those things where I feel like if I were going to the store every week and I were getting an issue of this, it'd be like, all right, things are moving forward. But yeah, upon reread for me, the highlight is Frank with Baby Bucky. Because, you know, it's one of those things that gets glossed over. But like, you know, the, 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 the Punisher knows how to kill a man. And the Punisher's fought in every war we know about but he is a father, you know, he right. had diaper too. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't get talked about very often, but Punisher is not one of these guys where you leave him with a kid and he's going to be out of his element. Like when he gets that baby, he's got way more experience than, uh, Jack Monroe. <laughs> dealing with. Them. Certainly than Matt, please lose my number Murdoch. So, you know, it was, it was good to see that, but again, it wasn't a set piece. It wasn't like there wasn't a flashback to Maria and the family. We didn't right. see central park again. It was, just like if you know, you know. You know he's holding the baby. He suddenly cradles the neck and does everything else. And I really appreciated that because because I, I am also a huge Punisher fan. But he uh,
4: also like Zorro scolds the guy and like lifts the baby off at the same time. What right. a move, Frank! And he and he admits it too, right? Like he's like I just want to see how much I can show off.
3: <laughs> I read that scene twice in both of the issues where it appears. Right. And for those of you who are listening to this who haven't actually read the comics the Punisher takes a staff. He pulls out of nowhere. He jousts with chainsaw on the motorcycle. He gets the baby off, no harm done. And then chainsaws chest is exposed with a bloody Punisher brand. Like the way Ben Affleck's Batman does it in BVS. Right. And I cannot for the life of me figure out how he did all of those things at once, but I love it. And I yeah. just, I love the <laughs> result, even though you cannot get from a to B. I, try, I tried again. You see the same scene in two different issues with, very different art styles and i can't figure out how he ends up branding this white supremacist it's a
4: great example of what i try and tell people especially people who don't read as many superhero comics as we do they'll be like oh but batman doesn't have any superpowers green arrow doesn't have any superpowers punisher does i'm like listen the things these guys can do you could not do in real life for their world they don't have any superpowers I, but, like, you can't shoot, like, seven arrows on one bow and they hit seven different bullseyes. Like, you can't really do that. The Punisher can't shoot, like, all around a guy, kill 14 people around him, and then miss the three innocent guys in the middle. You know what I mean? <laughs> so this is a great example of that. How do you hook the baby off, carve the skull in? Now, you just accept it, but, like, yeah. this is a good example I try and tell people. Heroes without powers in superhero worlds have powers for our world.
1: I'm reading that scene, and I'm getting flashbacks to raising arizona i don't know if you guys have been- yeah yeah, yeah.
4: Okay.
0: same
3: same absolutely same it's <laughs> such a great movie
1: yeah the only thing, the other
3: thing i wanted to say is i i agree the, the argument that uh you know some of these characters who dress in costumes and whatever don't have powers is, is is kind of ridiculous not not to say i don't get into that argument but i always tell people that the uh you know, the Punisher's superpower is that he never kills an innocent person, even though, That's what I tell in, me. yeah, in real life, if a guy were running around like this, doing whatever he wanted, you'd be terrified, uh, even annoying. if he was killing bad people. But in, right. in the context of a Marvel comic, Punisher is never going to kill someone who doesn't deserve it,
4: right or wrong. Every bullet of his finds a bad
3: guy. It always finds a bad guy. Or if it's an accident, you find out later in the story that the guy was just the worst human being that has ever existed. (laughs) Right, right,
4: right. And
3: and again, that's that's what reading escapist fiction is. Like, if you want a story where Punisher kills someone who doesn't deserve it, well, I'm sure there's a hundred different clones of that. But that's not the point. Of the character, it's it's the same thing with with Matt Murdock. You know, we always say, "Well, Daredevil's power is is, is his radar sense." It's like, no, it's the like fact that he can jump off a skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan and land perfectly fine, <laughs> Uh and can be in court the next day. And, I, and I'm okay with all of that because, again, I'm willing to suspend disbelief. But yeah, this idea of like. You know, I want to see them realistic. It's like it's like I watched far more of the show Arrow than I should be, and and that guy may not be able to run at the speed of sound, but somewhere in that narrative, he's got a superpower because he survives all this stuff. And, right, and right. You, know, exactly. you, know, you and I wouldn't. So I mean, I would.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, you would. Sure. I'm a
3: tough guy.
1: Sure. <laughs> I've got the uh, Marvel uh, superhero card down here. It's Dean Compton, right on it. Right,
4: all right. My stats are solid. <laughs>
3: Energy projections low, but bullshitting very high. <laughs> that's, the, that's the unknown fifth overpower <laughs> ranking. If, <laughs> but, uh, if
1: you get the card, it's just brown all the way through. Uh, right, oh. right. <laughs> all right. Dead Man's Hand, parts seven through nine. Dead Man's Hand, parts 7 through 9. Part number 7 in Daredevil number 309, in a story titled Cards on the Table, written by D.G. Chichester, penciled by Scott McDaniel, inked by Bud LaRosa, lettered by Bill Oakley, and colored by Max Scheel. The cover date is October of 1992. Part 8, occurring in Nomad number 6, Title of the story, The Mortal Coil Shuffle, written by Fabian Nizieza, penciled by Pat Olaf, inked by Mark McKenna, letters by Chris Eliopoulos and Steve Dutro, and color art by Tom Smith. The cover date is also October of 1992, and then Part 9, occurring in Punisher War Journal number 47, in a story titled Say Goodbye to Vegas, cover dated October of 1992. Written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by John Habert, inked by Fred Fredericks, lettered by James R. Novak, and colored by Glennis Wayne Oliver. As Daredevil and Punisher fight, Daredevil is able to surprise Frank and get the upper hand. Finally getting Frank to understand that they need to focus their efforts on dealing with all of the crime bosses in Las Vegas. Daredevil is also able to find and ask Nomad to help them out. Daredevil's first order of business is to stop the Hand's planned resurrection of the spirit of Izanami. Tombstone almost ruins the effort, but Daredevil comes through in the end, and the is unable to enter the woman's body. Punisher and Nomad soon meet up with Daredevil, and they are all ready to take down the crime conference. Nomad finds out that the slug has been made aware someone was after him, so he left. After a battle with Yonan and the Hand, the trio soon realizes the criminals have all scattered, so they head after the slug. When they find him, Jack has the opportunity to kill him, with Daredevil and Frank respectively playing the angel and devil on his shoulders. Finally, Jack decides not to kill the slug, but Frank pulls his trigger, but he just so happens to be out of bullets. Leaving Vegas, the trio hop into Frank's busted-up rent-a-car, but soon they are stopped by the mysterious girl in green with a helicopter, telling them to hop aboard and order to catch up with the criminals leaving Nevada. In pursuit of the villains, they are heading towards an airport. Daredevil and Nomad exit the chopper to take the fight to the ground. As the criminals try to avoid a fight with the Punisher, Trust is wearing thin and they begin to draw guns on each other. Andrea and Andreas Fenris unleash their powers on the helicopter, but Nomad shows up to fight them. However, in the middle of the altercation, Tombstone and Hammerhead hit him with their car. Daredevil is trying his best to keep the villains from getting away on planes and helicopters, actually boarding one as it is in flight. Punisher looks for a quick way to end things and blows up a large fuel tank. Nomad is able to recover and runs into the field, but gets shot by members of the Secret Empire, giving him the chance to play dead and take them by surprise. With the help of some advanced weaponry from their green-haired female friend, who may possibly be the Viper, they are finally able to control things on the ground. But that Swinchain Saul Chainsaw shows up and almost immediately gets crushed by the helicopter that Daredevil was in. Calling their operation a success, it isn't long after when Mickey and Micro show up, picking up Nomad, Daredevil, and the Punisher, and they all head back east towards home. There is dead man's hand. Dean, we'll start with you first here, buddy. Tell me what you thought of the last three.
4: Well, you know, you mentioned Mickey and uh, Microchip and I really thought it was funny when they uh, pull over the wool on the guy's eyes where like they get captured by the Secret Empire and the Secret Empire all have cloaks on. Nobody knows right, who they are. Right, right, They're like, right. yeah, I'm in the Secret Empire. I'm number three. This is number eight, assholes. It's a really good move, honestly, to at least buy yourself some time. And apparently, yeah, they get away. Uh, the last three issues, yeah, the thing with, uh, the, thing with the hand Again, a little past me, a little over my head. It was interesting. I wasn't reading Daredevil or Spider-Man, or I don't remember these things. I guess Tombstone tried to join the hand at some point. Yeah, yeah. Which is a nice motivation for him to want revenge and an easy uh, an easy fissure to crack open uh, here. But once again, you see him as this, like, mystical, almost like a shark that has legs now in this issue. Then later on, he's just a gangster, like when him and Hammerhead are uh, tussling a little bit. I think the word you're looking for is flirting. Flirting, right? They, they they might have been waltzing, you know. Uh, they wind up getting along, though. The Secret Empire guy, who's like, hey, want to borrow your car? Hey, you want to borrow some bullets? Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant line. Um, Yeah, it all builds to a head. It's, it's funny to see Daredevil, who's like, I hate you, Punisher, but I need you to kill some guys. And the Marvel Universe at this time was especially like that. It wouldn't it matter. It's Captain America, Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Daredevil. They would be like, I hate what the Punisher does, but I need him to do it now. You know, it was in I think they got a little better about that. That these guys should probably not be as you know cool with murder as because they say they're not, but then they're just doing it's fine. Like they just ride away in the car together at the end, right? Dude, <laughs> like it's, it's a perfect it's ending for this. Like they all hop in the car. clothing in fucking Marvel Las Vegas, <laughs> which I would want. But the ending is is it's just fantastic. Before I get to the ending, though, you're right. The Angel Devil moment with the Punisher, fantastic stuff. But the most unrealistic thing, in my opinion, that happens in this whole nine-part storyline, and a lot of unrealistic things happen, is that Frank Castle, the Punisher, would not know that his gun held no more bullets. There's no (sighs) way. I will have to agree. I will agree. This guy's held a million guns. Okay. I don't know how many guns y'all have shot, but I have owned guns and shot guns. You can tell when a gun doesn't have any bullets, it weighs like three pounds less, depending (laughs) upon like what gun you have. That's a big gun. It would weigh a lot less. You know what uh. I mean? So, like, anyhow, it, you know, if it's a little twenty-two, what it holds four bullets,
1: whatever. You couldn't tell.
4: But, but he's got, like, a Mac 11. It would hold, like, 20 rounds.
1: The slug he lives fuck. another day, sir. Just well. deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> he he knew he knew
3: his favorite pastime is messing with Daredevil. He knew uh,
4: fair
3: he <laughs> knew. About they say. both knew. Matt can smell bullets or whatever. Or not they both knew. <laughs> they were again. Th- this whole comic is characters flirting who shouldn't be flirting in the first place. And there's no stronger relationship of unrequited love than Frank Castle and Matt Murdock, the uh, the, right. the Manhattan Brooklyn love story. But no, by you can't hate somebody as much as they do without loving something about them as well, exactly.
2: which
4: Punisher later says when, like, you know, he's on the helicopter. Like, if he hadn't got on it, we could shoot it down. He's an annoyance. And Castle's like, yeah, but he's a first-rate annoyance. You know, like, he's
3: really good at what he does, and they respect each other. Frank, you know, Frank knows that if he really wants to kill the slug, he can go down to Miami and do de- it it's there not going to be that this guy's literally immobile. Like this is not a difficult right. person for him to do. He he's there because he likes messing with Matt. He knew his <laughs> gun was out of bullets. <laughs> like, come on. We know we find out years later that, that the Punisher is a huge captain America fan. He knows who Jack Monroe is, you know, he knows who the Viper he's pretending not to. Cause he likes messing with Matt. You know, he he's Fair. in this city. He can kill a bunch of bad guys. No one's actually going to miss. He's on vacation. He's chilling out. And he's, <laughs> he's like, something. Oh, ninjas it's pretty
5: exactly good. there you go he's like he's
3: like oh that japanese guy turned to smoke that was weird at least i'm not in the long island expressway and then he shrugs his shoulders and walks <laughs> off yeah i think also speaking of the hand and stuff i thought it was
4: awesome that the yakuza and the hand decided they would have their own little right. alliance because mm-hmm. listen they're right they were like listen you guys are all fucking white guys and you're all going to be racist to us, even within these cars co- imagine that these horrible crime people are like racist against horrible crime people who look different than they do whatever um uh you know i mean so it was a really cool touch there as well the last issue i think is is just nothing but fun it's like uh if you watch wrestling you know what a spot fest is and sometimes they're shitty and messy sometimes they're just a ton of fun to watch this was a ton of fun to watch everybody gets their shit in punisher kills a bunch of guys nomad leaps with his trench coat of flowing daredevil ninja kicks everybody viper hits people with her ninja with her uh nerf gun everything happens like if like you said if a helicopter crashes it doesn't just crash into like an open field it's got to crash onto somebody (laughs) the secret empire is full of bullets the Moggy is going at everybody punishers they they they, they take cover under a fuel depot at some point they're like oh shit we got to get out of here (laughs) blows up right as they leave it's just like like i said earlier this is a men's sweat mag that's combined with the rest wrestling spot fest and i am here for it it would have been worth a dollar 75 at the time it is worth a dollar 75 now it is worth a dollar 75 Forever. All right. All right. So that's my opinion. I think this wraps it up really great. I think it's a, it's a fun ride into the sunset with Mickey trying to guess what superhero nomad is. You, you're the human torch. You spider man. He knows who daredevil is, you know? And of course breaks like shut up because yeah, he doesn't want to get embarrassed in front of his friend daredevil, I guess. But, um, uh, but, but no, it's a, it's a great ending to a really fun romp that I think filled in nicely a bit of continuity that would have had to have been answered based on the events of a single comic. And I think that most crossovers, regardless of the universe, regardless of what superheroes take place, they tend to work best when they come out of the events in a single comic book. That a single comic's events created so many uh, ripples, like a like a stone in a lake, that it affected other things. I find ones that are just like kind of engineered, with the exception of maybe the Infinity Gauntlet, like they can kind of, they don't quite land sometimes. These usually, even if they're not great, they're always fun because you get to see these little pieces of the world interact that's what I'd say about dead man's hand uh I bought like I said I bought the epic collection the Daredevil one it just went on sale this year it's 35 bucks totally worth it just for these 10 issues but there's other stuff in it too okay. I haven't read that yet but I'm sure Daredevil does Daredevil stuff
3: he's
1: yeah I'm sure he does for me the final three issues
3: really any act three is is how how are we gonna wrap up the the antagonist story and this this annoyed me because like I said this was one of the only uh, 90s books we've ever we've ever discussed even casually I've never read before, and I, I'm thinking to myself, all right, the story is called the dead man's hand and we have a group of characters called the hand and they seem to be building up to something. They seem to be reincarnating the devil himself into this poor possessed mm. woman. And they yep. bit at the background and all the other characters, including, you know, the red skulls, second in command, who doesn't appear in any other story. They right. all seem to appear as background characters. So clearly there's got to be a big bad. And I'm expecting like the beast, the devil, someone's going to show up and cause some real havoc. And nothing happens. And, and I look online later, and you got to keep reading the Daredevil book to find out where that stuff goes, if it goes anywhere at all. So that that did let me down. But 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 yeah, the story once you get past minor things like that, the story does wrap up. It's very it's very consistent with what it promises you. I was a little disappointed because the group shot at the beginning, like I was talking about earlier, that like Empire Strikes Back bounty hunter scene, you have a lot of disposable characters. In that shot, and I was thinking to myself, well, the Punisher's here, right? So the main conflict is going to be him mowing down as many of these characters as possible and Daredevil and Nomad or someone having to stop him. But I don't actually think Frank kills any of the bad guys here. I'm like, you have have Fenris, who are extremists, you have Hydra, who are Nazis, you have the Praetorian Guard, who are Nazis. Like You have all these characters who Frank should just be like, oh, this is cool. You all lined each other up for me. That's really convenient of you. Um, but you know, in the end, he just kind of drives off in the sunset with his man crush. So I, I was a little let down there, but, but, but again, my, my, my concerns aside, it was a solid ending because it, it, it puts all the characters in a moral quandary, which is like, Jack's had a difficult life. What's he going to do? Well, he's, you know, he's not going to shoot a defenseless guy, especially when it weighs a ton, which I really liked. I like the idea that, you know, deep down, regardless of all the nonsense he's been through, Jack Monroe is a good person. And, uh, I like the way that that's presented here. And the only other thing I'll mention is uh, the Kingpin storyline. You know, none of us have brought it up, but at least through the Daredevil issues, you're seeing Wilson Fisk live in the subways as a homeless person on the run. He's wanted and that storyline, I guess, again, is going to pick up in Daredevil, but you almost get the feeling like, oh, man, are we going to see the the situation in Vegas get so bad that Wilson Fizz has to come back and they got to put him back on top? But no, unfortunately, he's got a mini arc about how he kind of gets his self-respect back and takes out a couple of muggers. But again, it's like, hey, interested in, in this really good villain? See Daredevil, you know, for 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 Tombstone stick around, but for Kingpin see the other book.
4: Well, also uh, notice with the, that Kingpin subplot, the last part he started to rebuild his empire because that guy's giving him the money. Like that guy's a homeless right. guy who's like yeah. a, a, only fifteen dollars, boss. Sorry, yeah, you know, yeah, I it, mean? like don't spend it all in one place because that's the thing, and, and that's what he's saying that whole time is he's like, and it's and there's a storyline later where you know we know the Kingpin becomes the Kingpin again, and this is like the start of that. I think it's a very slow burn. I don't think it happens until around like. Like
3: three thirty, so uh, you know Daredevil three thirty, so it's it's it, it's a real slow burn there. Yeah, I I agree, and I I think that's one of the interesting things about Kingpin, and really all good good antagonists for these characters. It's like he's not a big deal because he's got all the resources. He's a big deal because if you take all the resources away, he's going to rebuild a new empire and he's going to come after you again. It's like right. you know Doctor Doom. Uh, you can drop him in the middle of nowhere with no weapons, no armor, no money. Six months later he's going to be back on top and he's going to be pissed at you. Like yeah. these villains aren't dangerous because of what they have. It's how they got it and how they keep it. And, and I agree. I, I love that part of the storyline. I love the idea, but by the time Matt gets back from his little jaunt into the desert, you know, Kingpin's already going to be a mid-level enforcer and he's going to be working his way back up. So yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, this guy is still in comics today. Like people are still excited about this character. He, right. you know, he, he far, far outstripped his original introduction in ASM 50. I mean, it's just like to think that that's the same character as Vincent D'Onofrio is just, uh, makes me smile. Yeah. Did you
4: get a feel any of y'all? Cause you brought up the Kingpin mini. Like I felt like this was supposed to be an inversion of the born again storyline. Like it's born again, but now it's happening to Kingpin.
1: Ah, uh, I can see that. I can see that. I, I mean, I'm watching or I'm going through and seeing these little parts with the kingpin. You know, I, he'd obviously been, been dethroned and he's going to try and find his way. But it seemed like he had... Some- a lot of self doubt, uh, initially, he's hiding under this paper, you know, he's just kind of trying to remain unseen, and then all of a sudden, he just starts to be like, All right, fuck this and he gets he corners that one dude in the um subway turnstile, like, yeah, is that what brutal. it was? Yeah. Oh my gosh, probably one of the more brutal parts of this series, to be honest. I mean, there is some stuff that happens in here, but that was brutal. That's an interesting take. I never thought about that.
3: Like I said, I, I really did enjoy this storyline, I, I took me back, I thought it was great for a period of time. I, I almost wish if if disney starts running out of content that they would do this storyline but set it in 1992 oh. like you could almost see oh. dolph lundgren's punisher like strolling up he, at one point the punisher's wearing a headband that is literally a punisher prop it's like red with his own skull yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah where does he get that shit Oh shit, man. They they can't find him, but like this guy has a motorcycle that has like a skull like headlight. Find the guy who makes this
3: shit. (laughs) It's 1992, (laughs) so it was probably Heroes World. You know, (laughs) Heroes World probably (laughs) (laughs) had a kiosk.
4: Maybe Spencer's.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yep, yep, (laughs) yep. But but yeah, I, this is one of those stories where if they made a movie, just set it in 1992 and just let the characters really do what they were gonna do. I I, I think it would be great. I think it's such a beautiful product of its time, and uh, <laughs> and it's one of those things too where I'm reading it now, and you know if this storyline were made today, it would be different because it's just like you you couldn't possibly know who all these characters are unless you read hundreds. Of issues, right. it's not like today. When I had to look this stuff up, and I can name most of these characters. And it's just like I—I I can't imagine something like this coming out today because it would be almost unadaptable. You—you know, you know, just breaking down the, the von Strucker relationship would take right. a
4: couple of pages. But it'd also be like twenty-five parts.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this would be volume one of six, and John Hickman, yeah. the showrunner, some freaking nonsense. <laughs> but uh, but no, for for what it was, I thought it was great. I I, I will say as a final thought. I was really hoping for more gambling-themed puns. I really, I thought all nine issues. I thought it was going to be like Dead Man's Hand, the deck is stacked, the the dealing from the bottom. I think that I, I think that last one. That actually, is, yeah, I
1: was going to say that is. Yeah, I think hard that hard. was one of them. Yeah,
3: but I I was expecting just like I almost wish there was an editor with a little like grin and just being like, no, no, let's really lean into this like cliched Vegas is a wonderland nonsense. But uh, I, I am very
1: happy I read this song. So thank you for that. Very good. Very good. Chris Armstrong, man. I mean, we have gone through nine issues, nine parts of Dead Man's Hand. And now it is your turn, sir, to let us know what you thought of this story. Was it everything you wanted? Um. <laughs> uh it, You know, it, hesitation sounds like no.
5: <laughs> I'm tr- I'm treading carefully. No, it 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 was cool. It was uh it was definitely not a paint by numbers '90s Marvel crossover. It's it's pretty unique. I, again, like I said, I, I I can't decide if I like or dislike. The, The disjointed nature and the way that they're showing events happening, you know, in Daredevil and in Nomad and in Punisher, like the same thing, you know, from different perspectives or whatever. Uh, I don't feel like it flows very well. This last issue of Nomad, you know, it's what is part eight. uh, And I think that's the first issue we actually see all three of these guys together. Uh, I think Punisher had interacted with Daredevil he had interacted with Nomad. I don't think we'd seen all three of them together until, you know, we get to the last next to last issue. You guys talked a lot about Punisher and Daredevil as like the angel and the demon on a Nomad sh- shoulder. There's a page that like perfectly illustrates that yeah. in this Nomad issue where there's like a three panel grid on the left with the Punisher mowing down Secret Empire goons. And on the right, there's a three panel grid of Daredevil, you know. I guess you could say taking him out humanely uh at least compared to Punisher um giving him severe concussions but Daredevil I mean Nomad is kind of like the middle ground between these two characters. I think uh in the earlier issues Nomad had killed some people before. He's not like a you know the they make it seem like he would never do it, you know, when he when Punisher's trying to convince him or whatever. I think he'd already killed some of the uh, villains he'd faced in some of the earlier. Maybe that was in the mini series there was an, a four issue Nomad mini before the the regular series. Ah, uh, but yeah, he, he he seems like he's kind of like the the middle ground between the Punisher archetype sort of and the and the Daredevil like character, and uh, so I, I like that Paige so really like nailing it on the head. The fourth issue or the final issue, there's a lot of stuff going on. It seems kind of rushed, but like we've had nine issues, a lot of these characters have already kind of had their like the villains have already had their stuff resolved. Uh, so all the ones that are left are kind of culminating in this last issue, kind of a mad dash to the finish. It's a lot of pretty exciting, a lot of fun. I kind of want to see the Hammerhead Tombstone spinoff where they're like (laughs) hanging out in California and be either open a pizza joint or something like that seems like that's that would be where they would be going. That'd be Um, really good pizza. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much all I got. You know, I like nomad is a character that you know he he got a new number one in like 91 92 right when marvel was like had a huge influx of like there was Darkhawk, sleepwalker then they were bringing back cage Ghost Rider, older characters they were bringing back in new ways and he he was kind of on that tidal wave and i had some of those early nomad issues so i've always kind of had like a soft spot for the character but i haven't read a whole lot of the actual comics so that was another key reason why i wanted to, to get to this crossover and finally read it after all these years um uh, it, you know it didn't disappoint I, i've been kind of harsh on it at, at certain times in some ways but uh, it was pretty cool and i would probably throw this in as like something i'm gonna reread again over you know you know over the years
1: yeah there's a lot here uh, I mean just like we've all said, there's, there are a lot of characters. We got our main trio, which we're all rooting for, but I mean, my goodness, there is a, a ton of criminal element that have a lot of backstory that was mentioned earlier. You get to watch these three guys throw down Vegas. Uh, and it's, I had a good time as well. This is the first time I'd ever read it. I knew it existed, never really had the chance to sit down and, Go through all nine, but it was funny because I'm posting this stuff uh, on the uh, Facebook page, and I had—I think I remember two or three people going like, "I, I collected this," so it was obviously something that was—it it had touched a, uh, a, at least a lot of people's mindset back then to be like, "Hey, I want to get this. I want to read what's going down." And they had all nine issues, uh, which is. You know, hey, great. You know, it's uh, buy this stuff off the shelf uh, and, and enjoy it back then. It probably was a blast. You never this was this one over three months, right? This is three months of uh, I mean, this is yeah. three months, three issues of each each title. That's a good chunk of a Marvel storyline year when you think about it. Was it
4: was like a summer vacation thing that they did, I believe. I think it started at, like, June and ended because I remember buying the Daredevil comic it would have been uh, in the July.
1: Right, right, dude. The uh, cover date was, like, August of 92 for the first issue that we covered. So right. that would be about right. That would be exactly what you're talking about. So, hey, we've had a good time tonight. This has been a blast. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and finish things up here. This would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Unspoken Issues, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two M network to download Grammarly for free. Chris Armstrong, buddy. I just recently saw something pop up on my Twitter saying something about a movie podcast that you're in the middle of. What's going on here?
5: Oh, yeah. Me, a, a buddy of mine that uh, I know through through Twitter, and we've talked about doing like a movie podcast off and on for a couple of years now. We've never actually got it off the ground, but we actually got one in the can uh, recently and started. It's going to be monthly. Uh, it's called Small Screeners. And uh, what we basically do is we just look at direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. So we did our first episode on Full Eclipse, the 1993 werewolf cop HBO movie, uh, which was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. So we looked at that this this month, and then uh, the plan is to put them out the last Friday of every month. So next month we're going to do Cast a Deadly Spill, which is another HBO uh, movie. So Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Brodyman34 and also Small Screeners is on Twitter at Small Screeners.
1: Yeah, that's right. And of course, Armstrong and I have hung out on plenty of Unspoken Issues podcasts. All right, Dean Compton, tell me all about the Unspoken Decade. And- well, you can find us at theunspokendecade.com,
4: at Unspoken Decade on Twitter, and uh, the Unspoken Decade uh, Facebook page. Cindy Fan tends to take care of most of the Facebook page. I yes. tend to do more of the Twitter stuff. One day I'll write an article again, but right now he's writing. Right now I just blabbed. So uh, check us out there, uh, and that's where that's where you're gonna find me. You know doing the 90s thing uh i want to ask one question to everybody about dead man's hand and that is if so these are three of the street level guys but if you could add one character to this who would you add like i think it would be more fun if you had luke cage or spider Man. Cage I want.
1: Would be cool. Okay, I would want. I'm trying to think of somebody that's. I like Luke Cage. All right, I definitely like Luke Cage. I want somebody that doesn't have. I don't want Spider-Man in it. I mean, I, I understand. I just want to see
4: him swing through Las Vegas, honestly. That's, uh, that's yeah. Why I
1: would <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I'd want Spider-Man. I'd want somebody else like a, that's a little bit more street somehow. But I'm trying to think of who's more street though. That's the thing. Like in the nineties, throw something out there. Uh, tell me. Darkhawk? No, okay. I'm just Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, for me it's it's gotta be Moon Knight because moon Knight. all right, it, it's it's gotta be Moon. Knight.
3: I actually when when you guys originally mentioned this book, I didn't think it was Nomad. I just kind of assumed the third character. Was Moon Knight because he was getting pushed back then. They were trying to right. bring him back, and and to me, he's always been a little bit Punisher and a little bit Daredevil because you know he'll yeah. he'll kill you if he needs to, but at the end of the day, he's very much a superhero. You know, he dresses a like Avenger. That. yeah, yeah. He's been an Avenger for some reason, so yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he's he kind of straddles the line. So so for for me, it's like if he shows up here, he's just as likely to stab one of these bad guys uh, in the face. I I, I think. Chainsaw is actually one of his villains. That, he is.
4: It's a Moon Knight villain. First appeared in the Moon Knight series.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think I think Dixon wrote it, or some of some of Moon. I'm not a big Moon Knight guy. I'm more like I, I'm more interested in the concept than than the actual story. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But but for for me, I, I would think, man, I would love to see Moon Knight here because I feel like when the three of them get together, they just look at each other and it's like what are we doing? Like you got the guy in black guy in red and the guy in white muttering to himself in the corner. And uh, I, I, I kind of, I kind of was hoping like, man, you know, terror is in this book. Deadpool is in this book. Can we just get one like crescent moon shaped background? And, uh, That'd be good. Unfortun-
1: yeah. Unfortunately he never showed up. So, yeah. well, I think that's going to be all for us, for Dean Compton, for Derry Wait. For Chris Armstrong, I am Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Radulich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon.